mm-hmm. you can't tell when the podcast starts. No. Oh, it's the best shit. I don't. I'm a post-structuralist, so I don't really believe in like starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, okay. okay, so welcome. Chaz, fifteen minute. Cold welcome to fifty fifty. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up, and then you can. Okay, start. and. Welcome to 5050 Chaz, the podcast where we tell stories and try and guess what is true and what is not true. I am your main host, and I'm Chaz. My name is Evan, and I'm what, the first 50? <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Janos, also known as 50. <laughs> it's nice that together you make like a whole person. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what we go for. That's kind of beautiful if you think about it. Yeah. I think there's the the beauty in a podcast is taking uh each each co each co-host of a podcast is sort of an element mm-hmm. of a person yeah. and one podcast is one person you know yeah okay it's like taking all the neuroses of a number of different people and then making them talk about it for like three hours that's what a podcast is to me i think yeah well then this is going to be about Whatever 45 minutes is over three hours of a podcast, because this is not going to be that long. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me explain what's going on here. So got to think about what I'm actually going to say at this point. And then because I'll edit it, I'll just cut it out and I'll start from there. It's going to be perfect, actually. Um, I like to leave in mess up so people know that you're human. I don't want people to know that. I mean, fair enough. Um, (laughs) I I want to to seem perfect and unattainable. (laughs) Or the uh, ones editing. that are done by people that I want to embarrass. Yeah. Editing is just Instagram filters for your <laughs> thoughts. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can so leave the that way... in, though. <laughs> <laughs> I will. So the way this is going to work is that two of us will read a story on a subject. The other person will interrupt to interrogate us on that story at the end. They will guess which one of the stories is true and which is false. And uh, then, I don't know, will they get a point? If they get it right, it's impossible to tell. I mean, we could keep keep like an ongoing um, tally of points as the podcast goes on. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That works for me. Yeah. And then at the end of, say, I don't know, 10, 20 episodes, then you can have like a big winner and then you can reset the count, you know? Depending on how many episodes yeah, there are. And the loser gets kicked out from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that makes cool. sense to me. Okay. Uh, so our first thing is uh, we've got two stories of clowns. Um, yeah, you could say it's clown time. It's clown time. It's clown Do you want to take us away with clown time since you uh, you sort of suggested this idea? Yeah, you see, it's become a bit now that I like clowns because I do acrobatics um, and juggle. And just like looking at clowns, so I guess that's and on it's me. Weird really, that you never got to talk cl- about clowns on a podcast. Yeah, I if I have a podcast, I like to talk about clowns, so people know where I stand where it, when it comes to clowns, which is positively, as everyone should be. Mm-hmm. People who say they're afraid of clowns are just 
normally American. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. I'm saying that Americans mm. are cowards and don't appreciate the art of a good clown. Okay. I was when I was like actually very sm- a very small boy. I was like genuinely afraid of clowns, but I thought it was just me because all my other like kid friends or you know acquaintances they loved clowns, and I was like yeah because really afraid of them. And then later it became mainstream, and I was like but 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 I I I did that before it was cool. <laughs> I had a pathological fear of clowns before everyone else had a pathological fear of clowns. Yeah, but okay. actually I've gotten over it now, so. Okay, good. Else yeah, we probably you were couldn't be friends. Of clouds. Yeah. Yeah. You, and then you just you literally grew up. Literally, you no, grew up like, and you got over it. <laughs> you became an adult. You know that it, it's like that inspirational story where uh, where I met a clown and then became friends with them, and then I realized that we're not so different. <laughs> a clown savior film. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to tell you my story now before have more conversation because we got to keep this sharp you know we hate that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so my story is about joseph grimaldi an english clown uh from the 1700s so he was one of the early english clowns he often clowned in drury lane in london um and he was known for his pantomime and for coming up with the slogan here we are again uh he was known as joey (laughs) but this is about how he dies Okay, mm. so Grimaldi, he was a great clown. Everyone loved him. Um, but as he got old, he he was in his like fifties, and he was diagnosed with a disease called early onset old age, which is very confusing. Um, <laughs> he okay. uh, he he just got old. Apparently, he had ill health, bad lungs. He couldn't <laughs> breathe very well. It was probably just like tuberculosis or something. But basically, he had to be let go from the Drury Lane Theatre where he was a clown because he couldn't clown enough because he was just really, really ill. Um, As he was retired, he slowly became an alcoholic and his health kept getting worse uh, because of the alcoholism. And he didn't have a lot of money. He was basically starving most of the time. His son gave him some money. His son was a less successful clown. One day, he basically all got a bit too much for him. In a drunken rage, he knocked his wife unconscious, which Ooh. is great. Ooh. Um, and then he appeared at his old theatre, which had kicked him out in Drury Lane in the early hours of the morning, so I guess about 3am-ish. Um, and there aren't reliable records about actually what happened um, specifically, but there are like eyewitness accounts that claim that he broke into the theatre... Um, started taking all the rigging down, put it in a big pile in the floor in the theatre, and then set fire to it. Um, this didn't ca- this didn't take probably because of what the um, the rigging was made out of. So he actually went down into the green room and then set a fire using lamp oil, which was a bet it was a better fire. Um, spread up through the stage and basically set the theatre on fire. Um, he did manage to escape, um, apparently. And people say that they saw him leave the theatre and there's no proof that he actually did set the fire, but he probably did. And people claim that they saw him. Um, And nearby, he was found dead in an alley on Portobello Road of what was either alcohol poisoning or heart failure. And thus died the first major clown in English clown history, trying to do one last clown stunt. (laughs) (laughs) He died as he lived. (laughs) This, a clown. Yeah, clown death. Cla- classic uh, clown death. A classic bit, Class. you know. Yeah. Uh, do you do you want to interrogate at the 
end of both of ours or maybe at the end of both of ours i think yeah yeah after after you've done maybe okay perfect this is the story of quail dobbs marvin quail dobbs may not be the kind of clown you think of when you think of clowns normally you might envision a tall thin white man with short hair wearing a suit and commuting to washington dc am i right Politicians, they're the real clowns. However, Quail was not quite that kind of clown. However, he wasn't that far away either. Now, people on the biggest of the four continents, Afro-Eurasia, may not know too much about the sport of rodeo or why I'm even bringing it up, but clowns are actually like a crucial part of the rodeo and bullfighting. So a rodeo clown, also known as a bullfighter, like a matador, or a rodeo protection athlete, which sounds like when they were like, uh, no, it's not janitor or custodian. It's occupational health and safety sanitation specialist. So rodeo protection athlete, which, you know, rodeo clown, I think is better. Um, so this form of clowning actually like derives from bullfighting. Uh, but they'd also do comic relief. Nowadays, in the uh, Quail Dobbs era, as we might say, uh, those two jobs are different. There's the bullfighters and the funny ones. Okay. And mm. Quail was primarily one of the funny ones. Um, he was a barrel oh, man. Good. Yeah, even even although he actually was one of like three clowns who actually did bullfighting as well. But like, I don't think he did that while he was a clown. Like, but I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, he was a barrel man, which means that he hid in a barrel, which is what they did. Like, they just had a barrel that they carried around so they could hide in it. Um, mm. Kind of like uh, the moles. From Mario or whatever? I don't know. But so you might be asking, how did he get into this profession? Well, you know when you're at like a concert for your favorite band and you learn all the bass parts just in case the bass player doesn't show up? I do that all the time. Yeah, Yeah. of course. We all do that. Um, I guess it's a 50-50 sort of thing. Um, (laughs) So basically what happened is that the person who didn't show up was one of the guys who's supposed to hide in a barrel while a bull charges at them. And Dobbs was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, and that's how he started. And he ended up doing uh, rodeo clowning for like 35 years. But how good was he? Well, first of all, he is in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, and his accolades include PRCA Clown of the Year in 1978 and 1988, Coors Man in the Can in 85, 86, 90, and 93, and the Donita Barnes Lifetime Achievement. Um, And also, he's got a big... His big clown face, which was like he, he he was all red with like white and black lines around the eyes and lips. Um, and he would also wear like a polka dot shirt and overalls. But his big clown face is actually on the side of like the water tower in Coahoma, Texas. And it says, welcome to Coahoma, uh, home of Quail Dobbs. And it's like a small town. It's like a thousand people. So it's like, yeah, if there's a kind of famous clown from there, I get it. But it's like he's still not a hugely famous clown. But, you know, it's a clown with a town, you know? That's town where clown. He's, he's called town There's clown. very few, like, actually famous clowns, I think. Yeah. And, like, yeah, so if, you, if your whole town is, like, uh, a clown lives here, like, that's, <laughs> that's something, you know? That's what they um, say when people go into my village. <laughs> it says a clown lives here on the sign. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know who it is. No, but someone you wrote know that it. There's one. Yeah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> someone put it there. I don't know who, but I think they have it out for me. <laughs> um, 
So despite his lengthy career, he only got gored through the cheek and flung through the air once and only had one of his legs trampled over and obliterated once. So huh. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, you have um, a whole but, other leg. Yeah, exactly. And like the other one gets better eventually. So it's fine. Um, mm -hmm. And he was obviously he was like he retired in 1998 and he was clown of the year like 20 years and 10 years earlier. So this guy like had the longevity. He was good. Um, yeah. But why am I telling you this story? Is it just because Quail Dobbs has a fun, cool name? Yes. But he also stands <laughs> out. You know how I mentioned that, like, when you think of clowns, you think of Washington, D.C., you know, politicians, like they're the real clowns, right? Mm. Yeah. So he didn't quite get there. But here's a quote from the man himself. What's the difference between a rodeo clown and a justice of the peace? Not much, says Quail Dobbs. You still got to put up with so much bull. That's a funny guy hey. right there. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. So Marvin Quail Dobbs retired from being a rodeo clown to take a job as a justice of the peace in Coahoma, Texas, which basically means that if you got if you went to small claims court or you got a speeding ticket or you had to get married or like you died and they found your body and there was like, we need someone to come look at this and confirm that they died. Um you just got met by Quail Dobbs, the former rodeo clown. So, like, you could take your landlord to church. Like, they didn't... Or not church, right? Uh, I guess you could take your landlord to church, <laughs> but that wouldn't really be helpful in this kitchen. Uh, I would like this situation. to put my landlord underground in a church. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe you can. Maybe you can. But okay. if you, like, say you took him to uh, court and you were like, hey, he didn't mm -hmm. give me back my... Uh, mm -hmm. he, he judged how I lived. And he said, bad job. And he didn't give me back my safety deposit. Uh -huh. um, yeah, my, who knows? Maybe that's <laughs> happened. But you would go to court and you're, the person presiding over it was like a literal actual clown. Um, but what's new? Was he wearing so makeup? Uh, probably not. <laughs> so that's, that's the story of the um, dual clown and uh, politics clown. Uh, Marvin Quail Dobbs. Damn. That was That's a pretty a, good story. I like that. Thank you. Fascinating stuff. Uh, but also, the what was the Robert, Robert Grimaldi? What was the name of the other one? Uh, Joseph Grimaldi. Joseph Grimaldi. Why did he have an Italian name? Um, just they like, I don't know. I guess he was Italian. I, I wonder if it's like his real name or if it was like, I don't know, inspired by Commedia dell'arte or like. Probably. Yeah. I think it was after like the Italian tradition of clownery, definitely. Yeah. Like that comedian Dell stuff. Seventeen hundreds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he was like the first English clown. Um mm -hmm. he had a great joke when he was ill where he said, I'm grim all day and I laugh all night. Okay. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. Yeah, it's some some good clowning, I thought. What was his famous catchphrase again? Here we go again. Here we go again. Is that like, I guess it makes sense if it was like the 1700s and no one thought about <laughs> saying here <laughs> doing, we go again before. Doing things twice. I think it's just like people would just come to his performances every night and he's like, well, you're here again. Thanks. Here we go again. And yeah. that's like my norm, my, my uh, usual reaction to clowns in general. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> here we go again. So I guess it's uh, this it's is a the no moment anime of truth. zone. I guess. Um, um, did I want to ask something from Evan? Uh, yeah, did you? 
No, your story was like so detailed already. I'm, yeah, I, mm. the, the makeup thing was the only thing that was an open question, and I asked that already. Yeah, I'm. Should we go into judging? I think so. Okay, I. I think the Grimaldi story is real. Yeah, you think? Uh, you don't think Quail Dobbs? Because uh... here's my reasoning for why. Yeah, I think what's, the your, what's your story reasoning? I guess that's There's the, that's so that. much bummer stuff in it, like you know, beating his wife to death or whatever like yeah you wouldn't necessarily put that into a story if you were coming up with it on your own so it's like the kind of detail that is in historical accounts of of like olden times uh, no, which you'd, is why you'd i be think very, the, that'd be hmm? an indictment of your of our friend chaz You're like wow what a what a grim mind i guess grim and you know I, it also crossed my mind that the story uh, would have been like that because she saw like it was, it's like I don't know, inspired by some other story or something where it happened. But I think no, I think Grimaldi is real. Okay, uh, Chaz, uh, is Janos right? Well, Grimaldi is real, but that isn't what happened. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> How no. much of that was? I guess we can talk about that in the feelings segment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, although he was a real he was a real clown, and he did have premature old age, he did not die like that, and he did not set fire to his old theatre. Mm. You okay, know how he did die. Someone is yeah, taking... he died of um, well. First of all, him him and his wife were in massive poverty, and they tried to commit suicide, but did it so badly that it didn't work, and they gave up. Um, and then he basically oh. died of heart failure at like sixty. Oh dear! Yeah, damn. Just like regular old heart failure. Though. Yeah, he was just generally just dying. So it's a shame. It's a shame. But it, he was a uh, he was a good clown, and his son was apparently a second rate clown, not as good as he was. So overshadowed by his clownliness. Isn't that how it always goes? Yeah. 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 Everything about Quail Dobbs is true. Pretty oh, good. good I love yeah. Quail Dobbs. I loved learning about him. Right? It's, I just it was it's like just Googling clowns. Name. I was like... See, clown yeah. history is actually good. So, you know. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot... There was also more information that I, I cut for time. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the next segment. So... We all know and love the famous game of baseball, <laughs> which is, um, you know, here's it. It has uh, a lot of rules, but the aspect that matters uh, for this story is um, there's a ball, and then there's a bat, and there's a guy nice. who throws the ball, and that guy is usually referred to as a pitcher. And one of the most famous and successful pitchers of all time was one Randall David Johnson. <laughs> he went by the name of Randy Johnson, and uh, actually he had the nickname The Big Unit because he was big. <laughs> uh, and, you know, all our base, all us baseball heads, all us Randy heads like to call him that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he played for, like, several teams, Um and I am going to talk about one incident uh, that happened in the year 2001, March 24, 2001, um, where he was uh, pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks 
against the San Francisco Giants. Uh, and, you know, Randy Johnson, as I said, one of the most uh, successful pitchers. Uh, at at his time, he had the, like some of the greatest fastballs, which is a fastball, as uh, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, and a ball that is fast? A ball that is thrown very fast okay. to throw off the batter so that he can't hit it. And Randy's fastballs went up to 160 kilometers per hour, which is the... Uh, only measurement of speed that I will acknowledge, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they—that's what they measure it in in, yeah. in American baseball. Uh, so yeah, in, in in this incident, he was like throwing one of his famous uh, fastballs, <laughs> and then, you know, it didn't get. Usually, what happens is either the batter is gonna hit it, and then it's a ball, or he's gonna miss it, and then it's a strike. But neither of these happens. Instead, the ball went up in like a puff of feathers. Because what what actually happened is uh, Randy's fastball hit a bird that was just like got into the stadium. And this is like literally one in a million chance. Like, you know, people have people online have been like calculating what the chances for this is. And it's like extremely, extremely low uh, with like his fastball to kill a bird. But, you know, it happened and it's like one of the defining incidents of Randy Johnson's career. It was actually ruled as, because I said it can be ruled as a ball or a strike. It was ruled as a no pitch, which is like not even actually a rule. It's just like somewhere in the books. Uh, And it's, uh, you know, a no pitch happens while the pitch is being delivered. The ball is interfered with while in flight like that's how it's uh described which is like you know basically never happens except in this one case and this poor bird uh had to die for it (laughs) (laughs) rest in peace bird r.i.p mr bird rip bird interesting okay also actually his team won the season and it was like one of his most successful years what team was it Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. All right. That's a great story. It's pretty good. Thank you. This story is called uh, The Time Walter the Big Train Johnson Killed a Bird with a Baseball. Okay. For people people who don't know baseball, uh, basically, I mean, Janusz already went through this, so I could just (laughs) scrap it, but... Basically, one person, the pitcher, throws the ball to another person, the catcher, and there's a person, the batter, trying to hit the ball with a big stick before the bat- the catcher can catch it. And you may be wondering, well, how do birds come into this? Trick question, they super don't. Baseball, unlike golf, doesn't have a specific use for any kind of bird, be it eagle or albatross. So <laughs> when you hear that Walter the Big Train Johnson killed a bird with a baseball one time, you might be confused about how that came about especially considering his legacy of exhibiting great sportsmanship and being a proponent of friendly competition. But to put it into perspective, how someone could make both bird and man fear him, we turn to a quote from his contemporary, Ty Cobb. He was a tall, shambling galoot of about 20, with arms so long they hung far out of his sleeves, and with a sidearm delivery that looked unimpressive at first glance. The first time I faced him, I watched him take that easy wind-up, and then something went past me that made me flinch. The thing just hissed with danger. We couldn't touch him. Every one of us knew we'd met the most powerful arm ever turned loose in a ballpark. 
But that's just Ty Cobb. Just Ty Cobb saying that. And who's Ty Cobb? He's the guy whose grandfather invented corn? Well, actually, he's the guy who received the most <laughs> Hall of Fame votes of anybody, Sporting News' third greatest baseball player of all time, setter of 90 Major League Baseball records, and was one of the best hitters of his era and in the history of baseball. So, if one of the best hitters of all time was astounded by the raw power and speed of this man's throwing arm, you can see why it might be enough to quickly and aggressively shuffle a bird from its mortal coil. So, this story actually comes to us, public knowledge, comes to public knowledge by way of Walter Johnson's good friend and 30th U.S. President Calvin Coolidge. As he relays it, Calvin had come to greet Johnson some hours before a, the beginning of a game on July 16, 1922, against the St. Louis Browns. Johnson played for the Washington Senators, so... Obviously, the president can just, like, stop by and see his pal before he, like, goes and sits in the stands. So Coolidge was chatting with his friend Johnson near the dugout when he remarked on the number of pigeons that had gathered on the left field grass. Johnson, who had been palming a baseball during the conversation, looked over to confirm this and decided he'd lob the ball over there and clear the birds away. However, in his traditional lackadaisical style, he threw significantly harder than he probably intended to. And while he was able to, yeah, right. And while he was able to like disperse the majority of the birds, he did bean one right in the beak as it attempted to scatter, causing it to quote, according to Calvin Coolidge, tumble out of the air like a downed Hanover CL3, which I looked up and is like a German plane, I guess, during World War One. Um, yeah, but I mean, he's the president, so like, obviously, he knows that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, they famously know a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they know about mm -hmm. German planes, I guess. Um, so the big train was actually like a big softy, and he felt really bad about this because uh, he was he was like a farmer, but he never like wanted to kill animals just for fun because he's all, he's a farmer, but he's not a psychopath. Mm -hmm. Um, so he actually went on to pitch one of his worst games of the season because of just how like kind of upset he was and everyone was like that's ridiculous like it's just a bird but um so calvin coolidge actually found it super impressive because it is to just throw a ball and hit a bird um and one of his associates he had one of his associates secure the felled avian so it could be stuffed and mounted in the white house however he eventually moved it to his personal home in northampton massachusetts and that's the story of how walter the big train johnson killed a bird with a baseball one time um, F. Lots of death happening today. Uh-huh, that's... Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I'm rotating these over in my brain. Okay, you want to throw some questions our way? Yes. Um... This would be so much easier if I knew anything about baseball. Well, I feel like we've uh, given you quite other, a lot of other information. Other than what I have been informed about today. <laughs> about the mechanics of baseball, which is incredibly helpful. Um, hmm. It's just like cricket, but simpler, I guess. Well, it's more like rounders, isn't it? Um, I don't know so. what rounders is. <laughs> rounders is like British baseball. Oh, wait, rounders was like that Matt Damon movie where they were like playing I poker, know. I think. Okay, so... You say that this bird was stuffed Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how was it stuffed if it was destroyed with a baseball? Uh, it, like, I mean, 
I I imagine that it was like, um, so like the story is that he like hit it in the head. So it wasn't like um, that it exploded. It was that like he knocked it in the head really hard and just like eliminated its consciousness. And so like I uh, presumably the majority, like if most of the bird was gone, I doubt they did. But like otherwise, I guess they just they could have like gotten another bird head or something like that. I mean, it was like 1920s taxidermy. Like, I'm sure that they cut corners if they needed to. Because, like, he says that it falls out of the sky, like, what, a Hanover CL3? So, like, like not a plane, like, exploding in the sky, but, like, getting, like, clipped and, like, trailing down, right? Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. So, here, here's my thought patterns. Okay. Um, hmm. Evan's story is more detailed, but I can't tell if mm-hmm. it's suspiciously detailed or if it's just detailed and it's detailed because it's true. For context, I am a huge, like, classic baseball fan. <laughs> like, uh, like I spent a lot of my childhood uh, reading uh, baseball, like, books from, I mean, yeah, not, like, from can, this era, but, like... You can just be telling me this to throw me off the scent. That's true. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's all lies, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think this information has. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. At all. I'm like, Chaz to... was also I... a big clown head, and <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work for me. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what they call me. Um, mm-hmm. Clown head. Um, this is very hard. They're very similar stories. I don't know how often birds die in baseball. I think it's just these two times. Yeah. And one of these is a lie, so just this one time. <laughs> it's just the one time. I'm going to say that I think that Janosch's story is true because I feel like the name Randy has been said to me before in a baseball context, so it feels <laughs> true to me. <laughs> Don't read into that. It's um, a very basic... <laughs> Okay. So that's my answer. Okay, so right. the story of how Randy Johnson, Randy the Big Unit Johnson, killed a bird was, in fact, drumroll, the truth. Yes. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure the the baseball player Evan mentioned is also real, though. Yeah, it seemed too detailed to not be real. Yeah. Like, if I were to come up with, just, just the way you did with Grimaldi, I would also probably have used a real baseball player, because that's yeah. like... It's like the best way to be convincing. Yeah. Yeah, I I told I mean like all of that is yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the story's not true, but obviously like the quote from Ty Cobb is and all like all of that. Um Oh shit, this dove. And I didn't realize so I didn't realize until you or I didn't recall until you said that I was like, Oh yeah, it's just first name the big something Johnson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's just both of them and I was like that does seem really suspicious, but I guess if one of them's not true, like yeah, kind of could have could have gone just just as well the other way. Yeah, exactly. I guess many baseball players have like big nicknames. Yeah. Yeah, they love I nicknames. Mean, Walter I about, Johnson's other nickname. I do know about the Bash Brothers from the Bash Brothers Experience Lonely Island special. I um, I actually didn't know they were real until like after I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> like I watched it like oh cool cool uh, fake people they made a funny no, that, that was too specific details yeah jose 
and Jose. Fuck, what was his last name? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, should we do dance? <laughs> Let's do a dance. <laughs> Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire, come on. Oh yeah. Okay. It and it is actually true. I'm a f- like huge. I really like classic baseball. So all that, that Walter Johnson stuff. I just had to talk about it. Yeah. Inexplicable to me, but I respect you for it. Okay. Whatever. Uh, are you not convinced <laughs> by the uh, Randy Johnson story? How fascinating classic baseball is. I mean, it seems real. It does seem pretty interesting as sports go. They're a lot like smaller than I normally, you know, than sports people mm-hmm. normally are. They're just like quite compact, which makes it more visually interesting to me. I think. That's definitely. Yeah, it's definitely more likely to be the case. Randy Johnson was six ten though. Oh fuck! Okay, he was yeah. a big unit. He was. A, <laughs> he was that's a why big they unit. called him. He was a big <laughs> unit. <laughs> yeah, absolute. I, as far Randy, as nicknames go, I can't decide if it's Johnson. the best or the worst. <laughs> the best or the worst? What nickname? <laughs> nickname, just in general. The big. I I think the big unit is such a good nickname. It's really good. Um. Yeah. Let's do the. Let's do the the last section. Oh, Walter Johnson was actually friends with Calvin Coolidge, the president. So. That was fun huh. to find out. Interesting. Don't know much about Coolidge. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, let's go yeah. to dancing. Dancing. All right. Chess. Do you want to start this one, Chess? Because I started the last one. I will indeed start. Okay, let me set the scene. It is Venice in the 1600s. <laughs> I don't know much... I don't know what you two know about Venice as a as a city and also well. as an island. Um, but I've it been is, there actually. It's a city in Italy, but it wasn't always in Italy. You see, Venice used to be its own republic called the Republic of Venice. Um, and in the 1600s, it was pretty pretty wealthy. It was in decline by this point, but it had its own income. It made um, lace. It made glass. It had all these exports. But it's also like continually being invaded by people or attacked by people. And it was in all these conflicts because it was a bit of a interesting society. Um, Hmm. That's when the masks became a big thing because they used to wear the masks all the time for political intrigue meetings where um, they could hide their faces by using the masks to the point that eventually the masks were banned because there there was too much intrigue going on. And frankly, (laughs) people were sick of it. Um, So... This is a story about how a particular dance brought Venice uh, into conflict with the Catholic Church and got them in a lot of trouble. So, uh, in in the 1600s, um, Venice had a new dance craze that came from the rest of Italy. It was based on a traditional Italian folk dance, um, but it was called the Altalena, and it was a sort of dance where it's like two people... And I mean, I couldn't really figure it out much. I don't know much about dancing, but it basically involved a lot of kicking and a lot of spinning. Um, one Sounds of like the, dancing. Exactly. One of the moves in this dance was what, where the man or the lead in the dance would place his hands on the buttocks of the woman and lift her up as she jumps. So this was like a jump in the dance. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. this was a bit risque for some people. The problem was, was that it wasn't risque enough for some other people, basically. Uh, because at one of these dancing parties, two of the people who attended were bishops of the Catholic Church. 
and they participated in this very risque dance. Um, hearing about their impropriety and basically not wanting the church to act like this in his republic, um, Titus IV, the Doge of Venice, had these two bishops imprisoned for damaging the church's reputation. This caused mm. a conflict with the Holy See, where Pope Paul V said that this wasn't actually breaking any canon laws and said that they had to be released. Um, the Doge didn't like being told what to do by the Pope, so he refused to release them. And eventually the Pope put the entire Republic of Venice um, under interdict, um, which basically meant that the entire country was temporarily excommunicated. And this lasted for yeah. an entire year until Titus buckled and let the bishops go and Venice was allowed back into the Holy Church and could go to heaven again. Um, it is unknown whether these two bishops ever danced again. <laughs> well, you know, guilty feet have got no rhythm. So. Uh-huh, exactly. I always say this. Yeah. <laughs> so did they, okay, so did the bishops do the dance like with each other or did they do it? No, with the women with at the, the party. Okay, yeah. okay. Basically, so they just, because they used to attend the parties just like normal people would often. Mm -hmm. um, so they were just basically having a good time and they're not allowed because they're bishops. Okay, so so even does it seem like even if they'd not done the dance, then it would have been fine, or is it like they did the dance and they? It was this specific was like dance, I think. It's the specific okay. dance that involved like groping women a bit, which was looked down upon unfavorably down. by the people who ran the city. Unbelievable. Why? Mm. Yeah, I person. Well, we don't have to get into our personal opinions on this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, church kind of whack for that one though. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you think the it. people the people who died in the year where they were interdicted? Yeah. That sucks for them, right? Yeah, like, I'm not sure exactly how it works because I'm not great at religion, so I don't know if if you're if you've been excommunicated, what that means for your holy soul. So I don't know how it works, but it that, probably that wasn't great. Good. Huh? Okay. I think yeah. we're Catholics. Oh dear. So yeah, it's pretty fucked up for Which people who real. lived in Venice. Right, are we ready to talk about uh, my story? Yeah, yes. of course. So I'm I'm gonna tell you a bit about the dangers of dancing. Um, I'm gonna talk about like what's the you know the most dangerous, deadliest time in the history of dance, which is of course the 19th century. Oof. <laughs> okay. Uh, specifically, and I'm specifically talking about ballet. Uh, so, theaters in the 19th century were a bit shit. They didn't have electricity yet, uh, or, you know, not in common use. So instead, for pyrotechnics, they were using gas. They were using gaslight. Now, this was uh, not only a danger for, like, the theater structure itself, but it was especially dangerous for the women dancers because their mm -hmm. um, the ballet dancers' uh, outfits, uh, you know, the uh, tutus were made of uh, material that was extremely flammable. Mm. Uh, you know, it was enough to catch just a spark of gas and it would, like, go up in fire instantly uh but of course the theaters were also like for the paying audience were also like going all out on pyrotechnics they needed to make 
you know, astounding theatrical effects. Uh, and they didn't really care about the dangers. So what happened uh, pretty regularly was like dancers were uh, getting getting inflamed and um, getting like actually lasting injuries. Now the most mm-hmm. notorious case of this happened in 1844, where um, where the English dancer Clara Webster uh, caught fire during a performance and like actually burned to death uh, in front of a paying audience who did nothing. Uh, and you'd think that this would like put an end to it or something when this actually went on for decades. Uh, <laughs> it it has been addressed every once in a while by like, you know, critics, uh, theater uh, leaders. But like the, the, the first way they tried to fix this was by making adjustments to the clothing or to the, to the you know, the outfits. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which was you know the cheapest way to do this like instead of actually investing in fireproof technology or fireproofing the theaters uh, they they were trying to do it as cheap as possible but this also uh, these these new changes uh, were not well liked by the dancers themselves because it uh, it changed the figure of it so they were like no thanks we're still gonna use our old shit and we're still gonna go up in fire. <laughs> um, and it took up until the 1880s uh, where this problem was like, where they like finally tried to attempt to fix it by like pulling back on the pyrotechnics and applying safer structures. Actually, the uh, the reason why they even fixed it at that point still wasn't the dancers themselves. They were just concerned about the... Uh, the spectators that uh, you know would have to endure such atrocities as seeing a dancer go up on flame on stage. <laughs> so, what's the watch. moral of the story? <laughs> Capitalism sucks. Uh, you know, take care if you get close to gaslight. Damn, nice. social realism. The dangers of, yeah, the dangers of gaslighting, man. Totally get it. Yeah, is that where it came from? They were like, "No, you're not catching <laughs> on fire." <laughs> you know that's that's entirely possible. I don't know where those burns came from. Wasn't the theater? Mm. No. No, 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 no. It really makes you think. It does. I'm wondering if I. So what? How long did this go on for? Like, is there like a a first recorded time of this happening? Uh, it it, it starts like around the. Like eighteen hundred forty, so it went on for like forty years, and like in different theaters, like not only in like this this particular incident was in England, but uh, all across Obviously. Europe and even America, um, these kinds of fires happened. I mean, I don't know if it's in this. Do, do you know what like what they did to make things like less like to to stop? Like once they were like, well, we can't just fix the dresses. Like, what did they do to? Was it just like because electricity came around? I, get, I I think so. Yeah, I don't I don't have exact information of uh, of how exactly they never actually fixed it. They fixed it. They never actually fixed it. Yeah, I think they just changed to electricity at one point. Makes sense to me. If it ain't that broke, 
let something else come along and <laughs> it's only do the, job the performers who die not the paying audience like you know yeah. you got to you got to you, you need to pay for less dancers so exactly you're just ma- sh- lighting dancers on fire you're really just making money Sometimes, as like a prima donna ballerina, you have to get out of the way and let younger people come in. So <laughs> it's very much like the controlled forest fires that yes, they do exactly. for like the redwoods. Yeah. But ballerinas, yes. But ballerinas, yeah. There's simply too it's... many of them. Like I, <laughs> you know, even even these days they say like you can't make a career as a dancer because there's so much competition. So yeah. And that's because they use electricity now. Yeah. <laughs> it's too safe now. Yeah. Where's, uh, <laughs> I'm wishing back the old days where there was like a real tingling of danger every time you went on stage. <laughs> that's that. That's probably why people in like people in the 1900s were like, yeah, ballet's cool. Like we I actually totally do like to go to the that, ballet. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the when you watch like a stage magician that is doing like an escape trick or something. Yeah. Exactly, except no one is no one is trying to do that. It just sometimes happens. Yeah. I'm going to make my judgment now. Okay. And okay. so I feel pretty confident in this. Um I did study theater in college. Uh so I do know that gas lamps were like a legit problem in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm assuming that it was also the case for ballet dancers and not just like like actors or whatever, you know, because like like obviously um, like people in the theater might be wearing more clothes. So I guess it's possible that it wouldn't have been as much of an issue for ballet dancers. But like I do know that that people for sure caught on fire and it was like really bad. So. I'm going to I'm going to go with that as much as I do really like Chaz's the concept of like a whole town just going to hell for a year <laughs> because two people touched a couple asses like that's great. I love that. Unfortunately, I think it is uh, not true. I think Janusz had the correct story. You are correct. Yes. Too easy. God damn it. Just, uh, just love my pyrotechnics. I will say my story did basically happen, except the bishops went to jail for just stealing property um, instead of groping people. Damn. Oh, okay. They stole the asses or? The, ch- the church said it's legal and you have to let them do it. Um, mm-hmm. And they're going to excommunicate <laughs> the entire country until you let them out of jail. Incredible. That's good. I like that. Uh, so, okay. So I'm glad that that did happen, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, good. it did happen just differently. So at the end of this, um, Chaz and I have one point, and Janusz has unfortunately zero points. I have is zero points. Janusz has zero points. Yeah. Off to a bad start here. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think a, a pretty well put together. Uh, that I feel the game was functional. Yeah. Um, yes, and I'm very excited to like have other people on. As uh, as guessers, I guess it's gonna make the point tally complicated at that point. But you know, it's not it's not about winning. Well, it's we can about also the joy we can of the game. Also, yeah, we'll figure out the scoring system offline, <laughs> okay. and then okay. we'll come back next episode. Yeah, that no, that was that was really cool. I I really enjoyed I really enjoyed writing those. Yeah, it's um, very fun. 
Yeah, I actually Especially did like it's like because I did like two uh, true stories. Uh, I I like doing the research on the you know I knew about the Randall stuff, but uh, I like doing the research into the history of dance. Yeah, what what brought you to like that specific story? How did you get to that? I I I was like googling you know dance incidents and shit. <laughs> and then and then i found like a book that i totally legally acquired uh uh-huh. that is called dance anecdotes and then i was like scrolling through that like this some of the stories are just like you know bullshit like you know whatever famous dance like some of these are just like oh this this famous dancer did a funny like was was famous for doing hand gestures that, that others didn't do or like whatever like mm. things that didn't end up being a whole story so it was kind of there there were only very few that actually would end up being a story and didn't have shit like someone sleeping with a 17 year old or whatever <laughs> that is <laughs> fair because people across history has been have been horrible that's true uh chaz um mm. You definitely took an interesting like route to that in that you took a story and put dancing in it. Yes. Which is definitely Yeah, I was just How like I want to that? do something that's about Venice cuz I think it'd be fun. Um and then nice. I looked through the history of Venice mm-hmm. and was like I love this thing about the entire city of Venice being um excommunicated. So I decided to do that one. Nice. Yeah. It's totally not what I would have done, but it's like the same way as you picked the real clown because you have an interest in clowns. I would have like <laughs> picked uh, if I I had gotten the because we we actually did a coin toss for like Chess and mine. Yes. Uh, so if I had gotten lie, I just would have uh, taken the famous or like significant dancers and uh, or like a significant dance performance and make up an anecdote about that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but I don't know I what mean, I would I... have done if I had gotten something. If I had gotten like. You know, make up a lie about I don't know maths. Math. <laughs> um, I mean that's so. I think for for the baseball one, I did I did want to do it that way because part partially I just wanted to hear how you would explain the Randy Johnson thing mm-hmm. because it is one of my favorite things that's ever happened. <laughs> um, but I was also like coming up with a because f- specifically we were doing bird death stories so yeah. it was like i feel like that's very specific i will yeah, say it like, was that specific because when you made the tweet about wanting to do this podcast i totally thought this was a joke so i jokingly said <laughs> uh what if we both come uh, tell stories about baseball as killing a bird assuming that Chaz knows the randy johnson thing oh hmm. that's yeah i i think that's the thing is like because that that couldn't have you couldn't have done that to someone uh, who knew anything about baseball. Yeah, you know, I guess it so. did like work out uh, better than than I feared. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the tough part. Is like if the person does happen to just know the thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like I, I did yeah, kind of yeah, like know. He, the... he knew about the burning thing, even yeah. if he yeah. didn't know it in in the ballet context and not in the specific. Not obscure context. enough. You have to you have to dig real deep. Yeah, yeah, but like it's hard to find so like far. it's hard to find like deep cuts, I guess. Mm, I think I could do it. Well, you did. Well, so. yeah. Um, it was uh, I I did scroll pretty far through like I I think I just googled 
clowns. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I just like scrolled really far to the right until I was like, yeah, this is a, this is like a, I think I was like, oh, Quail Dobbs, great name, Rodeo Clown, even better. Because it's like the kind of yeah. clown that I don't think people think about. Cause I, so I, I could like throw in a bunch of stuff that would sound not true. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that much about Rodeo Clown, so it was very interesting to hear, I thought. Yeah, I feel yeah, like that's why I they're, thought they're this was fake, because I thought you just thought, ah, well, nobody knows anything about Rodeo Clowns. I can go wild on this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a podcast, isn't it? This I has definitely a been a podcast. Yeah. yeah so I, I can't uh, believe we're doing another one. Like, in general, hmm. podcast, not like... My life is just an endless cycle of repeating bad habits, so mm-hmm. I can't believe it. Okay, well, I think this is a pretty good habit, but okay, if you didn't, <laughs> you want to say it's bad one, that's fine. Um, yeah, sure. I think we're having a good. I thought we had a good time, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so, do y'all have anything you want to plug? Oh, I just fucking listen to all our other podcasts, I guess. Yeah, listen to Fred Says Fuck, my Scooby-Doo podcast. We have another episode, finally, after, like, three months. So, I mean, we will do. It's not out yet, right? It's not out yet, no. We talk about Scooby-Doo meeting Batman and Robin, and it's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, the other podcast me and Chaz do are uh, Song of Babies and Puppies, which is a reread of A Song of Ice and Fire, the books. And Who Watches the Watches, (laughs) which is a reread of all the Discworld books, um, and, I guess, adaptations. We're going to do the Color of Magic movie next. Uh, and then there's also a show I do with friends of the show, Jen and Jan, called The Age of Pods. Uh, both Evan and Chess have been on. So check that out. Yes. Yeah. I do like that you uh, sped through that first plug, like as <laughs> if it was going to hurt you if you spend too much time talking about it. The thing is, A Song of Ice and Fire is such a long name for a book series. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. is. Takes and you have years to say of a song of babies and puppies it. as well. And I am the obnoxious person who will refuse to call them the Game of Thrones books. Yeah, because mm. it's wrong. It's factually incorrect. Yeah. So. Factually incorrect. <laughs> okay, let's end this fucking podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to watch Randy Johnson kill this bird real quick. Damn. Damn, he just really gets it. It re- he really does just make it explode. Fully explodes. Yeah. yeah, that was that was like my worry of the story because I thought I think the image of like the bird exploding is just so iconic. Oh, how did you how did you like my uh, relaying of the story? By the way, Evan. Oh, um, I really I, I I guess there was there was just some information about it that I was really hoping you would touch on, like Randy Johnson's nickname, the Big Unit. Oh, um, I did. So. Yeah. Now I've I was I've been a Randy I was a Randy Johnson fan from young. So um, he seems a cool dude. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I I feel like you did a really good job, especially breaking down how uh, <laughs> how balls and strikes work, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure you mostly got. Uh, Honestly, that was like the most fascinating part to me, like, because I knew about the bird exploding, but like reading mm-hmm. about the judge ruling of the, or like the, not judge, but what's it called? Umpire? The umpire's ruling of 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 this bird killing is, is like the most fascinating part of it. Like something that nobody ever considered would ever happen and you have to rule about, rule it somehow. Like that's, that's just very inherently funny to me. Yeah, I, I mean... Like, 
Because what else? What else could it be? Other because if it's like, oh, the ball gets interfered with on the way. Like unless someone like runs up and grabs it. Like someone from the stands runs through and grabs the ball. Like what else? What other than hitting a bird could it be? Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's so hard to imagine like someone, you know, that that's happening in a baseball game and then saying, okay, let's keep playing. On yeah, honestly, because you're just like the the best thing that's gonna happen today happened. Yeah. So <laughs> it's real. It's honestly just like you look. You look at the newspaper the next day, and it's just like Randy Johnson kills Bird. I don't know. Diamondbacks also finished the game. I guess <laughs> um, more baseball happened after. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say when no, I, I said I like Randy Johnson. The other thing I like about just baseball players in general is that they're like the dorkiest looking sportsman. Yeah. Especially, especially the '90s. Yeah, um, they're they're just wearing whatever. Yeah, the it's such a, it's such a weird uniform. Like you, I think it's probably one of the only sports where you have to wear a belt <laughs> and a hat and yeah. like long pants. It's so weird, so weird. No, we're wearing long pants in dance sport. Okay, I mean that's that's fair. That's fair. So, I mean, I guess like I guess there are probably other sports, but I mean like yeah. like physical, yeah, like I, like, I, like I get you, like team sports or, or yeah. like, real you know, competitive sports. sports. You know? yeah. yeah, I. I see what about that. like golf? Do you have to wear trousers in golf? Oh. No, they wear shorts. But there's like long uh, golf pants, I think. Yeah, golf shorts is definitely a thing. Okay. Um, no, baseball is good. Love baseball. Um. Oh yeah, my name's Evan DM. You can find me on Spotify. I make music and also my podcast, Pizza My Heart. I talk about music and instant foods. Yeah, sorry, I forgot my plug. So, I mean, Chaz, you started us. Do you wanna, you wanna, you wanna tell everyone goodbye? Yeah. Um. Thank you for listening to Fifty Fifty Chaz. Um. I mean, thank you for listening, but also you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Um, yeah, when will the podcasters in? be appreciated finally? Exactly. Um, I don't know why I'm thanking you for my labor, but whatever. Um, I hope you'll drop in next time and listen to our next episode when we may or may not have guests on and we'll have more stories for you. So see you then. Oh, Chaz. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Bye.